With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Yes, everyone, what's going on? My name's Stephen Nelson. This is Houseman's Brew. I'm on a tee. I'm joined by Carl Anker and I'm joined by Justin from Q103. Um, <laughs> what are you having? What are you on? Coffee. Coffee. Any Carl, special yeah. cup. Milk one sugar. It's excellent, mate. Just milk one sugar? Yeah. I mean tea with milk one sugar. All right. Not just milk with sugar in it. Oh, is that how we're getting off? We have a guest and already you start picking holes in a sentence he said sure, about his brew. Straight on the back foot. Hey. So you wrote a fucking book, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Rashford wrote a book. Oh, I just okay. put the words in the right order. <laughs> it's not bad that though, is it? Writing a book with Marcus Rashford. Yeah, that's one way. Like, that's kind of like a bit of a dream scenario. You don't write right. a book with anyone. He's done writing last year, hasn't he? It's not bad. It's not yeah. so bad. <laughs> I would have imagined 18 months for him. Um, if anyone doesn't know, Carl. I think you need to get closer to that. Carl from The Athletic has wrote a book with Marcus Rashford. It's out after the European final, I believe. Yes. The Europa League May final. 27th. It's called You Are a Champion. Um, so get involved in the comments. Obviously, ask Carl all about that, and we will as well. Um, we're going to be talking about other stuff as well, not just that book, although we will be talking about that book. Um, what year was you born, Carl? 1991. Well, no. that's, that's it. No further questions, you're on it. That's it. We have a bit of an obsession, Carl. Someone's saying it's unhealthy. We think it's very healthy with the 1991 European Cup Winners Cup final. Okay. So we uh, we tend to end up talking about that for about half an hour on this When's podcast. Uh, data thief. Yeah, <laughs> He's got a point there, mate. Cause, right. you know. Is it tomorrow? No, it was last night. Because tomorrow would have been the 30th anniversary. Yeah, the or, I said would have been. It is. Unless the world ends. It Two is months. the 30th anniversary of the greatest footballing achievement by any football team ever. That's a fact. That's yeah, not, not even a cup debate. Cup. It's not even like arguably. It just is. 30th anniversary. I mean, Big sips. That's your punctuation that, that one out. Sorry. <laughs> Glad you pointed that out. You made, you made an emphatic statement and then yeah. you drank your drink. Okay. And, that's and then I, I heard that as well. <laughs> I heard the slurp was there. Have we got Mark Hughes on? Why'd you look at me like I've got Mark Hughes living in my garage? We tried. We tried. And I have messaged everyone. I have been that guy that's like, hey, mate, how's it going? Not spoke for about 11 years. Well, Mark Hughes you still mates with Mark Hughes? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any chance you could come on the brew because we want to talk about the cup final um, but you know never know never not giving up just yet 24 hours well, 24 hours to get him on Glazer's <laughs> <laughs> um, out protest talking to Mark Hughes even though he's got nothing to do with that was you at Old Trafford last night Carl? I was not so I covered the first protest 11 12 days ago right um, and then the Athletics sent Daniel Taylor to stand outside Old Trafford to, to get a gauge on that one and Laurie well covered the game as well and it seemed so Laurie last night actually. Dan it's Taylor it. got the photos of the bus didn't he? He did indeed Did he? Was he that did. him? Yeah, yeah. He's quality in the air He looks like a tip off because uh, he was in the right spot at the right time Yeah he's well respected don't he? Um, excellent journalist Yeah Been really helpful this season as well I think I mean what Manchester United played three games in five days and the big story is protests right which in terms of is your protest successful yes if that's the yeah. front page you've just played your biggest rival Liverpool you've lost but 
ahead of that yeah. on the newspapers no is... No one really cares. There yeah. was a protest. Yeah. And as a means of direct action to let to your feelings known, if you're a fan of Manchester United and you were there, you've done well. There's no broken bones. There's no broken windows. It's just a quite emphatic statement about what you think about the club's ownership and what you think is going to happen next. And a bloke with a poodle. <laughs> that was hilarious. That has no <laughs> right being that funny. Uh, you could really see when it panned to his face. He's just like, oh God, I'm going to go viral now. That's <laughs> real. I thought it was a joke. No, man. no, absolutely real. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, right. They Sorry. I saw, the, I saw the, the bike. Ones, but I thought it was just people Yeah, they ride up, up on the bike. And the guy looks like he goes, oh yeah, just drive round the side of the yeah, coach there. space. Like it's um, the most normal shit ever. Um, also, just quickly in the chat, Shane Lynch says, yes, Carl played rugby with Carl for Ilford. One oh, week. Shane, how you <laughs> doing, mate? Legend on the wing. <laughs> I just saw that, I thought about reading it out, he obviously knows you. Uh, Carl making it big time now, well done, well done pal. Oh, thanks, yeah, Shane. So you, oh, God, Hope why, you're doing well. Why did I say rugby? <laughs> <laughs> league or union? Said that. Uh, it was in the South, so it was union. Mm-hmm. I played league in the summer. Oh, this, this, yeah, this is dangerous territory um, now. Cause, how is it? Yeah. How is it? <laughs> Because there's a right we, one and a wrong one. There's, no, there's nothing dangerous about I'm it. I'm not getting involved in a bloody rugby discussion. You're from Salford, Jay. You should know better than that. He's got you there. Yeah, guilty is charged. I'll start going to the old uh, rugby. Yeah, next next week. It's on my list. <laughs> You're talking about the protest, though, and like, the fact that people are listening, people are talking about it. Um, do you think the Glazers will listen, Carl? Listen carefully. Yes. <laughs> there's, right. th- there's... You'd be very very foolish to not pay attention to what is going on right if you stop this is 12 days ago the biggest game in the football calendar Manchester United versus Liverpool was stopped due to fan protests that's the first time it happened in Premier League history I'm not sure in English League history I'm balling 91 sorry but that's that's a massive occasion that's a big deal that has to be relayed to ownership this thing happened it's not happened in 30 years it happened because of what you did Mm -hmm. and the fact that Joel Glazer did Release a statement, you know, the first correspondence he's had. When, when he was asked to as well, Musk yeah. said, uh, you better reply by Friday. And they didn't say it, but he definitely implied your fucking windows are going in otherwise, didn't they? <laughs> but, so, uh, maybe they I, didn't, maybe I did. Maybe I implied it. And I think what's important there is, it's there, it's in ink, it's in writing, it's, it's written up somewhere. If you are a Manchester United fan and you did turn up to that protest, so if you're a Manchester United fan that thinks what happened in that protest was a thumbs up, up until... 3.30 when windows started being smashed and the pitch started being invaded, which I think is, a, you know, that's your prerogative, as in to support it, not to break the windows and whatnot. If you're of that disposition, then you now have in writing something from the club owners going, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And if they don't, then it's your responsibility, your prerogative or whatnot to go every single time there's a meeting to go, this is what you said on this day, how close are you to doing that? And I think that's always important in terms of any form of democracy, social work. I mean, this is why we have prime minister's questions on every single Wednesday, right? Every single Wednesday we go to the prime minister, what are you doing? Right? And yeah. it's really important. Quite literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's really important. Any firm, if you're in charge of something, you should be held accountable. And the fact that you now have some form of literature from Joe Glazer, from the owners to go, we're going to do this. That means now... Every and it, and time it's the first know. time we've had that in yeah. 16 years from them. Yeah. Any sort of acknowledgement that we exist from them, pretty much. So it's there in writing. There was, again, another statement or, you know, some messages put out before kickoff yesterday between Manchester United versus Liverpool when they were expressing that they were going to try and do better communication. And again, it's, a, it's that thing. There's the statement. That's what's been said. Take it, transcribe it, put it down in writing. And then the next time you have a conversation, the next time you're considering buying a season ticket or buying any form of Manchester United merchandise, go, are Manchester United getting closer to doing these things? And if the answer is yes, in your belief, then we're hey. And if it's no, then it's up to you to decide what you'd like to do next. And I think that's how things should be. It's not that, I mean, it's never going to be that straightforward with them in terms of he's agreed to come on the fans forum, which I don't think has got a date. I think, is it end of the month, this ad? He's going to speak to the speak to the. As soon as possible after the end of the season, I'm hearing. So, from, so no date? Yeah, right, that's right, yeah. That's um, as soon as, cause as soon as possible isn't... No. No, no, I agree, yeah. I, I thought there was... You could the day after the, the cup final, couldn't you? Yeah. You could put that in the calendar because you know when the cup but final is. this is the thing, right? This is, this is, you know, something's been said, and now 
it was up to you to go, are they doing that? Yeah, and you get answer. to August and we haven't, that, well, I'm sorry, you've, you've missed the boat on as soon as possible by now, and now you're into pure delay tactics, which I thought a lot of the statement was trying to settle things down and, and move the focus to something else, which you know, it, will, it remains to be seen whether that is exactly what it was or, or if that's just what it felt like. Well, I, think it's a re I think the statement's been reasonable. I think the communication has been better in, in the last three weeks than it possibly has been in a very, very long time. And then, yeah, just write it down, pin it up on a wall, little checkbox and go, are these things being kept? And if the answer is no, then see what's possible. And if the answer is yes, then good, continue. Absolutely. Quite a lot of love for you in the comments, Carl. Carl is mint, love his takes and work as a journal. Great get, guys. That's from Miles Van Eaton. Uh, Mike Kennedy in Super Chat even says, love the work, Carl. Um, and Santa Knott says, up the anchor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Um, protests aside, last night I, I was looking at your Twitter and you pointed out something which um, was quite topical about a certain Brazilian midfielder <laughs> who may or may not have been discussed quite a lot over the last 24 hours, especially. Um, Fred, of course. Um, just what do you make of sort of Fred's performances, Carl? You, I think it was, you tweeted some stats about giving the, is it three goals in the last three games or so something? So he lost the ball on the edge of the box against Roma. That led to a goal. Yeah. Lost the ball on the edge of the box against Aston Villa. Gave a goal. Lost the ball on the edge of the box against Liverpool. You know, three appearances in a row. And the difficult thing about Fred is yeah. he makes mistakes that you would expect a player of his age and his... Uh, financial acquisition. You wouldn't expect someone 27, 28 years of age who costs 52 million to make mistakes the way he does. But often the mistakes he makes are made worse due to the way Manchester United are set up tactically. Or his location in making the mistakes. Yes. So Manchester United are quite bad at the first phase of building out the back. Right. right. Uh, in terms of if you want to get the ball from the goalkeeper up until the halfway line, United very often, you know, the goalkeeper passes to one of your centre-backs and then it's meant to go to one of the defensive midfielders. But what often happens is your full-backs are way too square. So it, so if you're in opposition, you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just cut off the passes to the full-backs and then Fred only really can pass it back to the defender or pass it back to the goalkeeper. Easy. Easy right. defending stuff. This is like under-17 stuff. So Fred does it and Fred, you know, the way I describe Fred is his software, the stuff above his shoulders, is really, really good. He nearly always makes the correct footballing decision. His execution, below the shoulders, wildly erratic, right? I've seen Fred do some really, really good 30-yard passes with the left foot, amazing. I've seen him do passes 25 yards that have just gone out of play. And then you get to this thing where Fred has that sort of thumbs up, was like, sorry, <laughs> trying. Yeah, we're always talking about he's, that. He's a really interesting player in that he's probably the youngest 27-year-old I've ever seen play football, right? If, if Fred was 18 and just came through your academy and is making those mistakes, no problem. Yeah, because you're going, you're making the right decision. You're making the right decision. Okay, it'll work out. He's also pushing it. An 18 year old, you're ex you want to see them try and find the limit, and also you want them to make the mistake and then have that in the locker as something they don't do anymore. Yes. Uh, whereas Fred, I mean, Fred does do that. He he does have phases where he figures something out and then doesn't make that mistake for a bit. And but they're getting caught in possession in yeah. and around the D and conceding yeah. goals in the back of it. Yeah, it's a bit when. Yeah. The, something I, I think about a lot is sort of talent flaws and talent ceiling, which is the same. We talk about Fred ceiling quite a lot. So sort channel, of yeah. on a good Don't day, <laughs> on a good day, what are you going to yeah. what are you going to give me out of ten? And yeah. on a bad day, what are you going to give me out of ten? And like Harry Maguire is great because on a good day, Harry Maguire will give you a seven, maybe an eight out of ten. On a bad day, he probably isn't going to give you less than a five. Yeah, right? So he doesn't get broken and he doesn't drop a stinker. Fred on a good day can give you a seven or eight out of ten. Fred on a bad day, unfortunately, can give you a four or a three. Fred out of possession. Is mint. Yeah. Fred in possession and with too much time on the ball. Erratic. <laughs> terrifying. Uh, so I did, I did a piece, I think in February. Uh, so after the Derby victory over City, where I just did a piece called What is Fred? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I handed it in. Is this lot bigger, that, than, bigger, than, bigger than your Marcus Rashford book? Uh, uh, <laughs> so it's the thing what where... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you try and explain Fred and go, well, actually, he's, got, he's really good at these things. But yeah. because of the way United is set up, when he makes a howl, it's really bad because there's very little stuff behind him to protect the stuff. Mm. And also, you can't be making too many... You can't be erratic as a defensive midfielder. No. Um, 
but he, he's good. He's getting better. I think Solskjaer's been really, really good at going, it's okay, man. These are your weaknesses. These are your strengths. You and can, at the same time, on you the can, phone, you can really see, <laughs> something that was really interesting, you can quite see, you can clearly see when Fred is running the numbers in his head. <laughs> like you can see it's sort of like the rainbow buffering wheel of, no, I shouldn't shoot there, or yeah, no, yeah. I shouldn't make that pass. Which again, you don't want a twenty. You don't want to see a twenty-seven-year-old buffer. <laughs> you want him to just quickly make the decision. But the fact that he's a, he's a footballer, he's making decisions. They tend to be good decisions eventually. Even when he's bad, I can't yell at him too much because like, I know you're trying. <laughs> That's it. Work rate. It's easy to get on the case of like. Do you remember how quickly people turn on Berbatov? Yeah. Because Berbatov's a phenomenal player, but you better be winning. Mm-hmm. Because the second you lose or miss a penalty, when it looks like you just passed it to the keeper, like Berbatov has, people will come down on you. But people will always forgive someone who, who works. The, the the work rate covers up a lot for a lot of people. Uh, and that's why probably Fred, you know, he doesn't come out and say offensive things. He seems like a likable character and he works his socks off. That means that he gets an easier ride I wouldn't say easier. I'd say, I mean, when we talk about work, we we often mean off the ball. And Fred's entire thing is, I'm going to intercept the ball. And he's got the nous and the intelligence to know, Mm. I'm going to run up to Kevin De Bruyne. But if I stop this way forward, Kevin De Bruyne is going to try and pass outside me. So I just step right and I'll nab the ball, which he did. And he's done it in the dark and he can do that stuff. And he's got an intelligence to him where I'm like, okay, you can be a squad player. You can be Manchester United for until however long and there's always going to be a use for you and there's a reason why he's in this starting lineup and when Fred's not there United are weaker because no one in that team can win the ball as often as he can mm. so that's good but it's that thing of I mean one thing I find interesting is I've never seen a United player as openly patronised by everyone in United right <laughs> Ollie does the thumbs up I've seen Scott McTominay go yeah even Fred's shooting I've seen Maguire <laughs> go I've seen Maguire go yeah even yeah. Like, I've seen young players go even Fred's doing stuff and old players go, even Fred's doing That's stuff. That's true. Like, didn't Bruno going, say about free kicks or something yeah. as well? Like, we even let Fred have a go. Yeah. Or something like, it's, yeah. That's Everyone <laughs> openly <laughs> takes the mickey out of Fred. And also... You can see his deficiencies so clearly though. But the, but the fact is, if everyone is openly joking about his deficiencies and everyone's still like, yeah, but it's Fred, then I think... Well, it shows how hard he works off the ball. Shows how hard he works off the ball. It shows how much he's enjoyed by everyone at Carrington. He's very clearly a popular figure. And even, you know, if you're like, yeah, even Fred's doing stuff. I can't imagine Fred going, stop being mean to me. Fred yeah, would probably yeah. laugh and go, you know, it's a living. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt G in the, in the chat says, is, is the consensus we bought Fred because City were reportedly in for him? Woodward and Judge thinking they'd bought a Ferrari and coming away with a Fiat. Um, uh, what do you reckon to that? I think... I think what happened was City were definitely interested in Pep yeah. Guardiola was was interesting for sure, and I could definitely see if City bought Fred, they probably use him like they use Rodri, right? As sort of back that. up to Fernandinho, back up to Fernandinho, hyper mobile, just yeah. doing interceptions. I think the problem that happened is United need a player who can do it all in one right now. Yeah. Whereas in Pep Guardiola, he can buy a player and go right. I'm going to stare at you for three weeks and go. Okay, change this, change this, change this, change this, and change this. Like the way, you know, we talk about how much money's been spent, and we talk about other things with Manchester City. But Pep Guardiola is very, very good at looking at a player and going, "You got taught this the wrong way when you were 14. I'm going to fix that." Right. So there's that story of he got really annoyed when he turned up at City because Raheem Sterling would always drift inside, and apparently on one of the training pitches he basically just got a, a white, you know, he got a tin of paint and painted a dot on the left hand side. And he just went to study. Whenever you get confused about what you do, stand on the dot, right? right? Just stand on the dot because I need you to stand this wide because it keeps our shape doing that properly. And you can imagine, and this is similar, you know, he was interested in Harry Maguire. And you can imagine he would have told Harry Maguire certain things about how to keep your shoulders square or not to keep your shoulders square when he wants to turn around quickly. And there's certain things yeah. where you look at the players that nearly got to City, what you can imagine what Pep would have done. Whereas Solskjaer, unfortunately, just doesn't have the bandwidth. I'm going to have to interject here, Carl. <laughs> I'm not having this as a Pep wank fest. No, no, um, no. I think Pep would have... Because he also looks at some players, tries to make that happen, and then has to fuck them off in 12 months. Which is true. Which, which has he, happened as which, much as it's turned the other way. Which he can do. And I think Solskjaer... I mean, I'm not going to say Solskjaer can't improve a player because he's definitely improved players in some ways, but I think Solskjaer... I, get ba- I call it bandwidth. Like, Solskjaer is doing so many jobs at United. And as you've seen now with the protests and what's going on, Solskjaer's doing so many jobs that a football manager shouldn't be doing in 2021, yeah, yeah, yeah. that he doesn't have time to look at Fred and go, don't hit it, 
when the ball's in this area. The thing is as well with United, I know a lot of the players are going on. Fred's one of them actually because he, he trains with RH, friends of the show. They're going out and doing individual training with um, independent coaches. Mm -hmm. Why are United not hiring those coaches? This, so this is a, I mean, this is a bigger question about Manchester United in terms of everything post-Ferguson, right? Like there, there are certain things that a club like Manchester United, with the prestige of Manchester United and the financial ability of Manchester United, just you're going, no, you shouldn't be doing that, right? Casey Stoney's just resigned Manchester United right now because apparently there hasn't been professional facilities for the women's team. And they're competing with the under 23s and the under 18s for facilities. I don't care if women's, the women's team's only existed for three seasons. If you are Manchester United, you shouldn't be setting up port loose for your women's team. Yeah. You, shouldn't be set, you shouldn't be setting up port loose for your under 12s team, yeah, right? No, you should be right. going, hello. Casey Stoney, thank you. We've nabbed you from Arsenal. There's a very good chance Arsenal will have taken you. Whatever you want, here is a blank check and we'll build it for you. If you yeah. are Manchester... There's a lot of things with Manchester United that can be explained with, we're Manchester United, right? But there's also a lot of things where there are individuals or there's certain things at Manchester United that they say we're Manchester United without putting any work into upholding those values, mm. right? You can't say we're Manchester United and have a, and have a home ground that's got a leak in the roof. You can't say we're Manchester United and then in the photograph of Edison Cavani signing his contract, you can very clearly see chipped paint on the table. It's not only that, it goes deeper than that. It goes to, to the fact that I think if it's true that Casey's resigned on the back of those things, that seems to be broken promises, which is more... I think that's more egregious than she's not happy with the facilities. I think it's she wasn't happy with the facilities. She's addressed it. You've promised something. And she's still not got what she's asked for. And that, I think you could probably copy and paste it from the 18s, the 23s, and the first team, if not every department there's of the club. A lot, there's a lot of facets at Manchester United that were just left to go into some form of decline or basically just got lost in the course correction struggle and overreaction that happened between Moyes, Van Gaal, and Jose Mourinho. So Laurie was on a really good piece on Mourinho's time. And United, one of the big things is, you know, old, early Mourinho, first stage Mourinho at Chelsea, he was all about player fitness. He was like, I'm going to make everyone run as hard on everyone else. And when everyone's playing 4-2-2, I'll play 4-3-3. So I'm going to outrun you, bang. And he comes back and he stops being the player fitness guy, right? So Van Gaal comes in to Manchester United, gets brand new 3G pitches all around Carrington, installs cameras everywhere. And it scores, installs those things that look like sports bras, but like Fitbits sort of yeah. track your running. And he's yeah. like, right. Stats sports. Yeah. He goes, all I'm going to make you all really, really fit. Yeah. So you can all run. So you can do my, I don't know what football Van Gaal wanted to do, but neither do we. You need to run lows for it. So you know cool. what? I wanted to see the third season. I could see I was painting I, I, a masterpiece. I couldn't, I couldn't I do it do. I couldn't. Honestly, if you, if you could get, I don't want, I don't want to watch it slowly. But if yeah. you could, like, I know where you're coming from. But I just think of those three months I spent sat in my seat, not seeing a goal. Yeah, but we did that. The third season, I know. Was but yeah. Mm, yeah. So Van Hard, Van, you know, to great expense, this all happens at Carrington. Marina yeah. comes in and he tears down all the cameras. <laughs> right. So Solskjaer comes in and he's <sighs> Solskjaer comes in. He's like, cool. All right, let's do high pressing football. And no one can run because no one's been doing player. No one's worked on player tracking. No one's done the red zone stuff. So Solskjaer has to build basically from ground up right. because you've had a manager who wants to do something modern. And then right at the point, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016. So this is when Liverpool's getting their act together. This is when City's getting their act together. Yeah, this is when Chelsea's getting their act together. I say third season. Luke this is when God. everyone's getting their act together. Mourinho comes yeah. in and like, trash it. <laughs> um, so Solskjaer, not only is Solskjaer having to be a football manager and deal with stuff, not only is Solskjaer trying to sort out the transfer budget and whatever. Not only is Solskjaer trying to do, you know, what he's doing now, which is basically being an emotional lightning rod for all the stuff with the fans and the Glazers, but he's also now having to build a fitness regime from scratch. And he's done really good things here. You know, United don't get that many injuries anymore, but... I mean, there was a time I was on Van Gaal. Remember where, Van Gaal, 13? Yeah. Remember the 13 players? Well, that's why we had so many... But he had his piece David. of paper yeah. he couldn't remember yeah. them all. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I remember that. Right. Was, was, was there for that The one. reason, if you want to take it full circle, the reason that Carl's wrote a book with Marcus Rashford is because of that. Because Marcus do not get his debut. Yeah, so there you go. Decidueland, yeah. was it Marshall in the warm-up, was it? Yeah, Marshall pulls up in the warm-up. Wilkie they... in the week before. Like, it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're right, it is. And it's so frustrating because it feels like we've just wasted. Yeah, I know we've had success during that time to a certain degree, but we've wasted a lot of years. Right, yeah, building I, I, something and breaking I think it down. Solskjaer's great thing is he's got everyone on the same page and he's you know definitely gone, this is what we're going to do for the next couple of years. 
this is the plan, and they're on like chapter five or like lap five. You're like, okay, we're jogging in a good place. It's taken a while to get there, but the worry is Liverpool's running around the track, City's running around the track. You know, Chelsea pull the hamstring. Went, oh, okay, phew. Chelsea's going to be fine. And then Tuchel's come up and like tweaked everything, and they look ominous for next season as well. I there is enough about United right now and Solskjaer that. I didn't think they'd finish higher than third coming into the season, but I've been genuinely impressed by what Solskjaer's done and he's been one of the better managers going, this is a weird season. I'll just hold these things in reserve and do it this way for a bit. There is the concern that, you know, next season, Chelsea get better, Liverpool get better, Spurs might sort their act together, that the top four is going to be a slog slog again. But, I mean, there's no reason to believe Solskjaer can't do it again now, which I think is quite nice. I'm not, you know, it's May. The season's not finished yet and I'm not going into the final game of the season going, we're not going to get top four. I'm like, well, that's sorted. That's quite nice. Yeah. You almost forget that, don't you? In, in recent years. Going back to what we were talking about a second ago though, I think Mike Phelan's doing a lot of that uh, planning and building stuff and the, the foundational sort of corrections. I think that's what yeah. his role is. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think a lot of interim social was, this is what we did on the Fergie. Yeah, he had Fergie's playbook rolled up, yeah. stuff right in his pocket and walking out on the think he, I think he did that for a while. He went, this is what we've done under Fergie. And then he was like, getting everyone fit. And then that first bit of 1920, that this is what we've done under Fergie ran out of steam. Just a bit. And it yeah, wasn't yeah. doing well. And then Bruno Fernandes turns up and I'm like, okay, phew. Yeah, and this is what Captain I did. I've got Captain Fergie. Yep. Crack on. I've got my Captain now. I just, <laughs> I started back up. We're fucking having it. Yeah. What's that? What's that book? Anyway, now it's not about <laughs> now it's not about doing things you used to do. Now it's about okay, what do you do in the modern era? And it's looking okay. But again, I'm going looking okay. It's it's looking okay. One thing you talk about a lot, Carl, and you know you speak about is um, holding midfielders, mm-hmm. and I'm with you on this one. <laughs> do you think that's going to happen this summer? Do you think we need to? Well, I know I know what you do, but for viewers, like, do you think we need a holding midfielder? And do you think we'll get one? I think it's the most important role. I, I'm really confused as to when I'm watching BT Sports, Sky Sports, match of the day, and I'm hearing people say, United need a centre-back or United need a striker. As far as I'm concerned, United could sign Baresi and Maldini and you wouldn't win as many extra points next season than you would if you signed a proper defensive midfielder, right? One reason Paul Pogba's Manchester United career has not worked out the way it's worked out is because they, Paul Pogba's not a good defender, right? He can defend a little bit, but he's not a particularly good defender. He doesn't particularly enjoy defending. There was a bit after the game yesterday where, you know, they're playing Firmino's header and it goes in and the commentator goes to Roy Keane, why do you think, you know, Paul Pogba's not particularly good at set pieces? Would you keep putting him there? And Keane's like, ah, well, he's big and he's tall and I keep doing that. But he's not good at it. Yeah, and he's getting just, to the yeah. age where he's not going to get any better at it. <laughs> so you need to buy someone who is better at it and put them there and move Pogba out of the way. Right? The best period of Paul Pogba's career happens when Solskjaer comes in as the interim. It's like, oh, it's just because Mourinho's gone. No, it's because Nemanja Matic was there as the stopper and Herrera was next to him as the shuttler and Paul Pogba just moved up and down of the left in a 4-3-3. Yep. That's all you had to do. Yeah. Right? One big problem with United is they needed to buy a defensive midfield player in Mourinho's second season. They need to buy a young, custom, I'm going to win the ball and pass it to Paul Pogba and all Paul Pogba needs to do is just link, attack and midfield. And rather than go out and buy someone that he should have bought, Mourinho looked at his phone and went, oh, the main match is in there. <laughs> just go buy him. He's cheap. Bang. Yeah. Right? And and a large... This is not to say Nemanja Matic is... He's definitely going Roma any, by the way. Not to say... This is not to yeah. say Nemanja Matic is not yeah, good or for on. purpose, but because like the fact he's left-footed also is sneaky important for how this United team works. But they need defensive midfield player. Like Scott McTominay looked like he might have been a six for a bit, but I think after the Leeds game, everyone now knows he's probably better, closer to goal as a box-to-box guy. Fred is basically the shuttler like, yeah. and the Herrera. There is no one... So every every team in the top six, apart from United, has a proper out-and-out number six, right? So Liverpool have Fabinho. Fabinho stands there. He wins the ball. He doesn't let you go back. And then when Liverpool are counter-attacking really, really hard, he just stands on halfway line and goes, if anyone gets past, I'll foul them and get a yellow card. And we can sort of drop back and get a Show last night, didn't it? Massively. I think you pointed yeah. out, we look at their centre-backs and our centre-backs, and what's the main difference? It's not the centre-backs. It's the man they've got yeah. in front of them. Of course. Man City lose, don't win the title last season, not because of whatever, but because they didn't replace Vincent Company and they had to move Fernandinho 
back in the centre back. So Fernandinho couldn't do that job on the halfway line. So they got Fernandinho. Chelsea have the best defensive midfielder in the world, N'Golo Kante, mm-hmm. right? Spurs got better this season. And I was like, oh, wow, why have they got better? How was Mourinho fixing Dombley? It's because Mourinho finally learned his lesson and went, I should buy a tackler. Here's Hoiberg. Bang, right? Arsenal spent all that money on Thomas Partey so he can do that job. If you, the reason why Leicester are so good right now is because they have the other great one in Wilfred Ndidi. Every single good football team in the top six or wants to be in the top six or every single good team in Champions League has someone who plays as number six whose entire job is, I'm going to stand at the base of your midfield, I'm going to win the ball, and then hopefully, I mean, if you're spending big money, I can also pass the ball 30 yards. United don't have that. They've got Fred, who can kind of intercept, but he doesn't tackle. And they've got Sotomay Tominate, who can sometimes intercept, and he can sometimes make passes, but I don't know which way Scott McTominay is going to be. Sometimes he looks like he's the second coming to Darren Fletcher. Sometimes he looks like he might be Darren Gibson. I'm not sure, right? United I used to like Darren Gibson, but I get your point. Yeah, but United need <laughs> United need a six. United need someone who ain't, you know, who can sit there and go, Pogba, if you, cr- if you come back this far, I'm going to tell you off because I need you over there because all I'm going to do is win the ball back. And the, the, a proper six adds balance as well because you can then, if you find a world-class number six, you can play Bruno and Pogba, Bruno and Pogba together. Yep. And you can put Marcus back on the left where he's shown it flashes last night against Liverpool how good he can be in that role. You get someone like a Jason Sanchez for the right wing and you're absolutely flying. Yeah. It also, because also it protects the guys at the back, right? So Solskjaer wants to play. I asked Solskjaer in November, what's the plan? I said, you know, I said, you keep talking about this long time plan. I said, what's the plan? Went, well, you know, I'm in a press conference here. You give me a minute. I'm like, how long you got? And he, he gave this thing of he wants to score quick goals. He wants to have his team be able to do passing moves. He wants them to score crossing goals. And he gave this description. He didn't describe the defense, but he gave a description that basically sounded like, you know, I want to make United 06, 07, 08. He wants to make the one that won the, champ, the last Champions League. For yeah. It's a good team, that. Yeah. They had Carrick. They had Hargreaves. <laughs> they had Fletcher. They had, they had guys in the middle who could win the ball and then spray it. And every modern team now vaguely wants to play high defensive line, pressing up. You can't do that. And this is why, you know, you hear people go, this is why you need a centre-back. Because Maguire's not quick. Lindelof's not quick. They don't need to be quick if you just get a six in there. Because the six is the quick guy. You don't need a good centre. You don't need to buy Rafael Varane. Just buy a defensive midfielder, for the love of God. Buy two. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... If it was up to me, I've joked about this, if it was up to me, I'd go to... I'd, first day the transfer window opens up, I'd go to Leicester City and I'd go, here is 45 million for Wolford and Didi. 45 million is not enough to buy Wolford and Didi. And I, I'll haggle, I'll keep staring, I'll keep staring. And the moment I find out who Leicester's looking at to possibly replace Wolford and Didi, I just buy them instead. <laughs> it's not a bad shout because they've got quite a decent scouting uh, system, haven't yeah. they, Leicester? Can we not buy their scouts? I know. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. In a, in a super perfect world, just buy all the scouts. Like, they tend to like, always replace players and always get those players. Or, even like, if you don't buy the, the scouts. Go and get their head of recruitment because he's clearly implemented a system yep. that's yielding so much more value. But I also think, I mean, we just did a transfer review at Old Trafford and, and I said, I think sometimes, I mean, we were talking about Lorente at Atletico and I was like, even though he's got good numbers, and the, the, you know, they're talking about 60 odd million for him, which is probably a fair price. He doesn't sell enough shirts for us <laughs> to warrant 68 million on him. But Leicester find those players for 12. That's what we can never do. And I, I don't know if it's when United phone up there's a different price list that we get told. So we know for so United use a combination of analytics and scouting. Right. So what you get is and FIFA. <laughs> FIFA can help. So coin you, flipping. You know, it, I'm, this is not perhaps, but like Solskjaer will, will walk into a room and go to a scouting team. Like I need, I need a striker who I need a striker who can play with a back to goal, who's left footed, and who can run like this. I can run this many yards game. So. Boop, 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 into the machine, get a shortlist of 30 to 40. Scouts will go, okay, well, there's no point scouting anyone in the Austrian league who isn't at Red Bull Salzburg. So we'll just wait. Or we won't send anyone out to Austria to do that because you can either just watch on Y Scout or just wait for them to get to Salzburg and then you can properly look at Salzburg. Uh, and you do it that way. So the original shortlist is nearly always you know, 50, 60 players when you, you just pump in all the numbers. But the thing is when you're a club at Manchester United... If you're, if you're a good football agent and you f- figure out that your players turn up on that price, you know, turn up on that 30-person shortlist, 
if you're a good football agent and you write, oh, my centre-back's popped up in United's shortlist. They're, they're sniffing. You should immediately be on the phone to wherever that player is and go, you hear, uh, you hear how United's interested in our player? It's not necessarily United's interest in that player. It's just that someone punched the numbers. Yeah. And you might vaguely be number 25 on a 30-person list. That was like we were talking to, is it Peter Rutzler from The Athletic? I think uh, he was covering Bournemouth a couple of years ago. And he was talking about David Brooks, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was that sort of thing. He's just on a list. Yeah. There's no... And it was like a few papers were running the story of like, United have David Brooks and people losing their minds going, David Brooks were... It was, we're not. He's on a list. He's and it was like, list. there could be, like you just said, 26 other players ahead of him on that list. But it makes a good story for some papers to run it. And people so was like, listen, he gave a good you know analysis of him because obviously he'd been covering Bournemouth. But he was like, you know... And we spoke to Laurie as well, funnily enough, and it was like, it's a list. It's like, it doesn't mean, until it gets to the point where... Until you get to five, it's fine. But also, it's the thing of, yeah, if you're a good football agent, or if you're someone involved with that football player, and you're on a 30-person list, I mean, if you pop on the 30-person list for Manchester United, that's a good time to talk about contract negotiations with anyone. It's a good time to get paid, because you go, (laughs) well, United are interested. Yeah. Definitely. There's obviously way more to it than that. I believe there's like five stages of oh, yeah. of United identifying yeah. a player, which might start with your people trying to do searches on Y Scout or Scout Seven, something along those lines. Then you've got your actual scouts who'll go out and watch him in real real life. They'll go and sit with a video analysis mm-hmm. team who will look at the individual little clips to make sure what they're seeing tallies up with what they can prove. Um, probably loads of little clipped up videos. Then I think Mike Phelan goes watches him. Yep. Um, and then if those three things align, Solskjaer will get told. If he likes him, then they go to Matt Judge. Matt Judge tries and does a negotiation, and previously it would have been Iwa that signed it. <laughs> um, I don't know who that's going to be now. So it's this final stage where, where Feeling gets involved and Solskjaer gets involved. That's quite interesting, because not only are they looking for... Again, it's quite Ferguson-like. They're not necessarily looking for what the player is like on the field, but they're looking for who they are as a personality right. which is a big thing that just didn't what wasn't there on the Mourinho Van Gaal right there's just a, there's just a gap of a couple of years where there is very little pastoral care for players that come into Manchester United right they Manchester United bought Memphis Depay he's 21 he can't cook they give him what over 100 grand a week and they drop him off in Cheshire in a big old flat take care lad it sounds a bit like the Zaha thing yeah. as well, like so, a similar thing. Luke yeah. Shaw, it, Luke Shaw in, hired it, a guy who can't drive to be his driver and his mate to be his chef, but he couldn't cook. Yeah. So all he was doing was just phoning takeaways. And you're wondering why he gets injured all the time. <laughs> right, and it's the thing. He does all that stuff and you think it's funny and then he can't get, he can't, he's always broken because he's not eating proper food. Yeah. He's not going to bed properly. So United were really good at that. United and AC Milan were really good at night. He's just going, here's your house. Here's where you get food. Here's your place of worship. Here's all the stuff to take care of all the stuff so you can just focus on your football. And that just goes away when Ferguson goes and then you get managers like Mourinho goes, I don't need to provide that stuff because I can just look into a man's eyes and know if they're a man. Right. And that, I mean, and Mourinho used to be good at that, but you, you get older, right? You age out. I, I can't use Snapchat. I'm, I'm 30. If I look at Snapchat, I'm like, I don't know what 25-year-olds are into anymore. Yeah. Right? I, can, I, used to, I can look into some, you know, some uni student, university students go, Carl, help me be a journalist and go, here's some tools. But if I go into a sixth form and someone goes, how'd you be a journalist? I couldn't tell you which kids are going to be the journalists and which kids aren't because I don't, I don't, I can't sense a drive in someone young enough anymore. And this is the thing where Solskjaer's putting in loads of stuff that should have been there between 2013 and 2018 that just wasn't, right? And he's getting there and it's getting better. There's a really interesting bit in Memphis' autobiography where he's just going... He turns up, ends up in Manchester, no house. And he's like, well, I've got no mates. So he just rings up his best mate from the Netherlands going, do you want to be my driver? So it's just him and his best mate. His best mate is just driving his Rolls Royce around. And again, he's not eating, good, he's not eating decent food because they can't cook, so they're getting takeaways all the time. Most other weekends, they're driving down to London. Um, and, you know, Memphis, to his credit, has admitted that he didn't take United seriously because he was expecting more people around him to be like, focus on your football whereas the only what happened was it was basically Wayne Rooney and Michael Carrick every now and again going should you be wearing that hat <laughs> yeah do you know Fergie did more than that like when he would sign younger players especially from abroad like Cristiano Ronaldo they would go to people around the city and go will not you take him out like, yeah is there a family gathering christening 
something like that. Right, yeah. really? That's Can good. you invite him? <laughs> yeah. So that's like one extreme, isn't it? Like, yeah. not just looking after, but in a good, wholesome sort of way. And then here's the key to your gaff. Yeah. So there was. Bit. We'll pick you up. Well, not even pick you up. See and training on it's, Monday. It's one of the chapters in Socconomics about how clubs yeah. at Manchester right. City are. I, I hate how well they're run because it's embarrassing how right, how they well. kill us on a couple of these things. And one of the things uh, I believe it's at City's massive training complex. When you walk in as a new player, you're you're meeting with a team liaison sort of lady, and she's sitting in front of a map of Manchester, and she goes, "Right, you want to live here." It's not Crumpsall, in case anyone's yep. wondering, or Collierst, or Mostard. Is it Waste? It's not. Right. And it's like, here's where you want to live. We've got like eight properties that we think would be you know, the right sort of thing for you. You've got kids, right? So there's some with gardens and this, that, and the other. There's a couple of schools that we've already yep. looked for you. That's the phone number that you need to ring on the front. There's an English phone with an English SIM card. That's your phone number. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yep. And um, a... you're at a hotel for a couple of weeks. That's Keith. He's your driver. Yep. He's going to take you from the hotel to the Google. Thingy. Google's very good at doing this. AC Milan used to be really good at dental care. So they figured out in the 90s, if your teeth are rotten, that's probably, you know, if, if you've got basically gaping holes in your teeth, you'll probably get a lot of muscle injuries. So do you remember that weird state where Florent Menuda was really good for, in the Premier League for no reason? Yeah. Basically, they were back in the back of the team coach and they were all playing cards and Menuda bursts open laughing. And Ancelotti looks and just holds his jaw open. He's like, oh, this is why you keep getting muscle injuries. Go get your wisdom tooth taken out. Stops getting muscle injuries. What the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> Basically, just, yeah. just not stuff in his mouth. And he's like, all right, go get your wisdom teeth taken up. Stops getting hamstring injuries. It's more consistent. Off you run. And it's like those tiny, tiny, tiny things. They, um, Liverpool used to have an informal system uh, with uh, Juliet Cisse. So the woman who eventually married Jibril Cisse. Um, and they're not together. But it was her job to basically, like, right, you know, do you want to live in Liverpool? Here's when you here's when you live, bang, bang. Not, not Liverpool. Yeah, here's when you here's when you live. Yeah, you live in Liverpool. Here's all the yeah, yeah, as far as, as I think, yeah, United basically, you know, caught when Mkhitaryan came round, and Mkhitaryan was quite like Mkhitaryan described like intense loneliness when he came round because he's not the most outgoing gentleman. But she got called up on improv improv basis of like, can you show Mr. Mkhitaryan around Manchester? She went, oh, yeah, okay, here's some here's some churches, here's some places where you can get some food, but. This is the thing. This is a. We know for a fact that Brazilian players have their own WhatsApp channel. So, if you're a Brazilian player, you come to the Premier League. If you play for a team in the north, you get dropped into a northern group chat where, you know, Gabriel Jesus, Robert Firmino, all that stuff. And apparently, Firmino runs that group chat. So once a month, Firmino's like putting all your food orders for team Brazilian food. Stuff. Yeah, he goes putting your food orders, and he just gets in his Land Rover, drives off to the shop, buys all the meat, and does that. And if you're in the south, David Luiz will do this. And one of the big reasons that Andy Mitten's done this great piece now about Cavani and what helped Cavani stay, you know, there's this point Cavani doesn't a want... A Spanish click by any chance. <laughs> it's the chant helps. But they're, they're saying, you know, why did Cavani, you know, why is Cavani more relaxed in April? It's like, well, lockdown got released. He finally, you know, he managed to find a good butchers. Yeah. Again, tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny things. You've got to bear in mind, Cavani has been locked inside his house from September. Football, go home, football, go home. In Manchester, you know, you know, actually, maybe I should go back home to South America. April comes out and someone goes, do you want to go to Stratford Mall? <laughs> hey, straight, straight look, down, look at this they've got yeah. two Gregs we've always seen yes I love that I love that it's cool the strip of an like uh, Derek Best in the chat says got to give a huge shout out to Carl his work on The Athletic is great keep it up um, that, just... I, I honestly think it can't be overstated the importance of that helping players settle as a role and I don't know that United do a good enough job of it they're getting better they've yeah. got a lot better since Solskjaer has come in and Solskjaer, I mean, his press conferences, he's always giving credit to the boys. And I think what's been interesting about him is he's like, yeah, well, it's not, he doesn't like football behind closed doors because he, he's like, no, because if you want to be a footballer, you have to be really, really boring. You have to go to training, go home, and then maybe go to a cinema, or maybe go to a restaurant. And he knows they can't do that. And he knows, I think he mentioned something like, you know, Cavani hasn't had a chance to sample Manchester culture yet. So, it'll, you know, it'll get better. And I think he's been really good at talking to Cavani. And it's been really good at talking to some players going, I know it's really hard this season. I know you're working really hard. I know you perhaps aren't getting seeing your family members or soon, whatever. But just like give me a couple extra months, and I will show you what Manchester United properly is. I think I've been genuinely surprised by how good Solskjaer is as a people person. Yeah. How he's he makes me burst out loud maybe once a week. Yeah. 
because how funny he is in a press conference. So I can imagine behind closed doors, he does a good chat and he's looking after people. There's been a, when he told Scott McTominay that he was going to be the captain for the FA Cup game against Watford, apparently he did it like mid-conversation, just like, <laughs> you know, sort of like finishing training or leaving. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he goes, okay, so he's a captain tomorrow, yeah? <laughs> Goes like, what? He goes, never mind. And just like walks off. <laughs> That's men. That's Clyde. That, I, mean, oh, I think a lot about being a manager is just managing yeah. people's personalities. Because, yeah. you know, there's, there's shitloads of coaches. It's not about putting the most technical UEFA Pro training session on. It's about keeping people happy enough to run through what. Have you seen the trailer for the new Alex Ferguson film? Never given. No, I only yeah. masturbated twice on that. So there's, yeah. that, there's the bit in the trailer where it goes... Twice. Yeah, there's the bit in the trailer where it goes, some people call it psychology. I just call it management. This, this was, you know, when people say what is Solskjaer good, well, Solskjaer, say, slipping it. What was Ferguson good at? Ferguson was just really good at going, if I drop you for this game on a Tuesday, I know you're the type of person that's going to be really annoyed and will try and prove me wrong. So you'll play really good on the Saturday instead. Yeah. And Mourinho was also good at that up until a point. And then he just stopped telling players, I'm dropping you because I want you to get really, really good. Uh, <laughs> um, People mention, obviously, your great work at Athletic. You've also been involved with a book with Marcus Rashford. Um, tell us a little bit about that, Carl, because uh, that sounds like the dream gig, that, doesn't it? Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I was like, when I saw that, I was like, buzzing. And then I was like, that's mint, I'm well jealous. <laughs> it's a, yeah, so it's called You Are a Champion. It's a, a book aimed at children between the ages of 11 to 16. Uh, it's a bit to be, you know, sort of a self-help guide, uh, giving importance to dealing with adversity, building confidence, going out and chasing your dreams. We wrote it over like three months. So between January and like right at the start of April, we finished writing it together. And it's been really amazing experience. Really, really enlivening. It's taught me a lot about myself and how to go about my days. So you sort of, when Marcus Rashford tells you, believe in yourself, you believe in yourself. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it's incredible. I, I recommend it because I wrote it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, th I, I really, really hope we, we create something that is useful and, and helps a lot of people out there. Marcus wanted to write a book because he, I mean, this is such a, even when he tells the story to me, it sounds so strange. He goes, he only really started reading books at 17. When, so he's in United's Academy and he's sort of going to school. Work and he, you know, he's talking to one of the coaches there and then at the age of 17 they hand him a book called Relentless which is from Tim Grover who's uh, Michael Jordan's old personal trainer right he pops up in The Last Dance um, and he reads this book and he's just like oh wow this is how you like focus and get like winning mentality and chase your dreams and he still has a copy and he goes through it with pencil all the time about just this is how you train this is how you relax this is how you go from being uh, okay wishy-washy five goals a season Jordan. right so he oh. is if you're going to try and chase someone yeah. so yeah, he exactly. so he reads no. this at yeah. 17 and then he starts reading more books about resilience and like how to go out and chase your dreams and he thinks do you know if he's a, got in a Goggins yet <laughs> I handed him a book of uh, James Baldwin halfway through so uh, we finished our first session and he said one of the interesting things about reading books was obviously you know he, he grows up in Withenshaw he doesn't really go on holiday too much when he's a kid uh and then he starts reading books and he starts reading about other cultures and other lifestyles. And obviously he goes on away trips and he goes, oh, that's the world out there. And I said, oh, you know, it's like a Bolden thing of you think your pain is unique and then you read. And we finished the session and I sort of get a message afterwards going, what was that quote you said? I went, oh, it's Bolden, it's from here. So we met him and I went, here's, go tell it on a mountain. He's like, oh, fine. Um, <laughs> so he, his thing was, he only started reading books when he was 17 and he thinks if, this is a really strange thing, a funny, amazing thing about Marcus Rashford where he thinks if he started reading books a lot earlier, he'd be a lot further on the place he wants to go. And I went, Marcus, you're 23. You've won a lot of trophies already. You've done a lot. You don't, mm. You're doing pretty well, right? It's like, yeah, well, you, you know, think he's it. meant to be prime minister already? I think whatever, <laughs> I think whatever Marcus Rashford wants to do, he will do it. Well, in terms of the timing, Carl, because obviously Marcus went from just being an England international who plays Manchester United to being <laughs> one of the most important people in the country and, and being a hero to, you know, to the point where even Liverpool fans were sort of praising Marcus Rashford, which gives you a sense. That's was insane, this, was it? it is insane. Was this around that time when it was all like the Boris Johnson thing and making the government the school meals? Was this a similar sort of time? Um, sort of. So yeah. 
you know, when the free school meals campaign begins, I'm living in in uh, in what first part of lockdown. I'm still living in Southampton. I'm not covering Manchester right. United in any shape or form. I'm, I'm aware of the fact that Marcus Rashford wants to write a book in November time, and then you know I was talking to my book agent. I said, "Yeah, I put my name in the hat." I was expecting myself to be number twenty-six out of thirty-five people who want to write a book with Marcus Rashford. And there's a, uh, I was doing a podcast with someone. I get this text message going, "He's picked you. You're, you're gonna." It's like, cool, great. <laughs> no worries. Just go to toilet. No pressure. <laughs> um, so when when the when the BBC documentary comes out, you know Marcus Rashford and food fighting food child poverty and whatnot. I hadn't written any pages. I hadn't done anything. I was basically watching that documentary, going, I need to figure out what he wants to talk about most. And I think the things he wants to talk about most is, do you want children to understand? You are a champion, right? You you only have to run in your own race. It's really interesting that this is you know Marcus Rashford is <clears throat> known for being a prodigy. You know, turns up at debut at seventeen, scores every other debut apart from FA Cup debut scores. <laughs> but to him, he scores against Michelin and he comes home and he tells his family and friends, "I'm never going to change." I prom- he said, "I promise you, I'm never going to change." Because his thing is, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not motivated by money. He's not motivated by spite. So you know, you talk to a lot of athletes. And there's, there's always a chip on their shoulder, right? They want to do yeah, something yeah. to prove someone wrong. Well, Michael Jordan's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I took it personally. I took it personally. The meme, but there's a reason um, he said, you know, there's, there's something behind There's that. loads of football players where if you talk to them long enough, they'll talk about a game or a moment or a coach where they go, where someone goes, you're not good enough. And they go, I just gave me fuel of fire. And Marcus doesn't have that. And he, he, doesn't <laughs> see, he doesn't think that's useful for him. And I think he wants a lot of people out there to know you don't have to be that way. You don't have to compare yourself to another person and say, I've got less, I need to take something from you. Or you don't have to have loads and be like, ha ha, I'm necessarily better than you. I think Marcus's whole thing is, he said this, you know, he tweets about this a lot. I think what's really interesting about Marcus is when he tweets about stuff that he knows about, he go, I, but when he tweets about stuff he thinks needs to be done in terms of charitable work, climate change, childhood poverty, helping the homeless in Manchester, he will always use we. And he's said stuff like, I don't claim to have all the answers. All I know is we have to work together to do something. There was something he tweeted a couple of months ago, wasn't he? Where he was like, I don't know enough about that. Send me some information. He got swamped with it. And he was like, thank you. I'll read this. And he does. That's quality. <laughs> he absolutely does. Really Which does. is, I can't, can you remember what it was? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Because it was something where he was like, can someone send me some more information on this? And then he just got like, like, 8 million 48, followers. Like, yeah, like, which is amazing, right? Yeah. You, he's, so, you know, he's, he's spoken about how his two heroes growing up in a footballing sense were Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo. And in a footballing sense, you can see how we sort of merge those two things together. So yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, all about singular focus and dedication. I'm going to do this many crunches. I'm going to do my activation training. Then I'm going to do my actual training. Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn this many crossover moves. I'm going to learn this, 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 and this, and how to cross and how to do this. Whereas Rain Rooney's thing was intuitive invention, right? I'm going to play football. I'm going to look left and look right. I'm going to hit a paintbrush. I can play on the left. I can play as a striker. I can play on the right-hand side. Whatever Ferguson wants me to do, I will learn that. So I can be the most fluid person I can be to get Manchester United to a better place. Yeah. And you look at Marcus Rashford, he's got that singular focus, right? We know for a fact that guy can do keepy-uppies for two or three hours nonstop. We know for a fact he spent ages looking at Nani, looking at Cristiano Ronaldo so he can hit that knuckleball free kick. But also, he's played on left, he's played up front, he's played on the right-hand side, and he's getting better at every single position, much like Rooney. He's frighteningly intelligent in the footballing sense and he's done all that in a selfless and essentially egoless manner right he's not doing it to prove a coach wrong he's not doing it because he wants to tell a school teacher who went stop doing football ha ha i proved you wrong he's yeah. doing that because one at a very early age he figures out football's a very good way to provide for his family and he wants to provide for his family and two because he enjoys it right he watches a lot on Alden. I know that. Yeah. He watches a yeah. ton of football. There's a, uh, we, we got a chap, chapter three of the book is all about how he learns and how he, you know, wants to show children that there's more than one way of learning and there's more than one way to take a life lesson from one thing and apply it to something else. And it all starts with him from being told off by his grandma. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he, his grandma 
cooks this amazing corn porridge and he used to ask her all the time can I have some corn porridge uh, and one day she goes if you want something the best way to get it is to not ask one person the same question over and over and over and over again is to ask loads of different people the same question and you wouldn't normally think that's a way to apply that to everything but that's his way of learning right if he right. if he wants so he's he's six seven eight years old and he's on youtube dial, dial up youtube so not broadband youtube and he's watching cristiano ronaldo and wayne rooney clips and he's in his grandma's house and he's going can i have some corn porridge and she's going no think about what i told you so he's on youtube going oh yeah i probably shouldn't just watch wayne rooney and cristiano ronaldo if i want to get better Thierry Henry, Lionel messi Maldini, Zinedine Zidane, and he's just watching all these clips and going, okay, that's how defenders think. Okay, that's how midfielders think. Okay, that's how strikers think. Okay, let me look up Emil Heskey, learn how to play back to goal. That's why he plays like that, because he's just got a remarkable database of football in his brain already, and he's just constantly working to get better and better and better. Kind of doing all right as well, isn't it? Not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It's kind of working out for him. There's... You know, I just wish he'd have a fucking couple of weeks off and get over his. I touch know, on wood. I know. Touch on yeah. wood. Barring injury, there's no doubt in my mind he will. I don't. You know, I know everyone has a different version of world class and has a different definition of world yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. But the more I talked to him, the more I thought you're going to be world class at some point in your career for at least three or four months. And I think the fun thing is a bit like Rooney's. I don't know what position it's going to be in. I don't know if you're going to be world class on the left. You're going to be world class up top might even one day be world-class on the right-hand side. Might end up playing as a number 10 again. But there's going to be a point where Marcus Rashford will legitimately be... I think his playmaking is really underrated. Yes. Aspects of his game. Really underrated aspects of his game. I think he's good to great as a striker right now. But when he's on the left-hand side and the ball's in space and he's running in behind... Look at the Liverpool game in the cup. The one-time balls over the top. Yeah. Like, they were good. So what's the when's the book out? Is Book's it after out. the after the Europa? Day after the Europa League final, uh, May twenty seventh. It's not that could either do amazing on the back of him doing thingy, or well, it'll do all right regardless. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure, it's... but like you might you'll get a cheeky boost if he does well. It's not, it's not just about football. So you know, if if you're considering buying it for a family member or who's interested, in, who's not interested in football, there's loads of life lessons about you know schoolwork, the importance of learning, dealing with setbacks, how to get involved in looking after your neighbourhood. Or like if you want to, you know, if you want to have an environmental slot, just like work in the community. There's loads of stuff on that, and uh, yeah, I'm really proud of it, and I think Marcus is really proud of it too. So it just makes me smile thinking about it. No, it's good <laughs> stuff, man. No, you should be as well. I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, Gary Carrie Cooper in the super chat says, "Great shout, giving Marcus a James Baldwin book. He's as mint as Jordan was driven. Love your stuff on the Athletic. Keep it up." I think that's a pretty good way to wrap it up as well, Carl. It's been great listening to you, mate. Honestly, love that. Looking forward to reading the book as well. Hopefully after we've beaten Villarreal in the uh, Europa League final. I've done some scouting. Harry Maguire is a... Wrap him up in Conkwell. I think Harry oh. Maguire will probably play. Is this, is this breaking this? Is this I'm new? I'm wearing that he's not going to be ready. I think Harry Maguire will probably reach a state where they will go to him. I can give you these things to swallow or inject into your body and you can probably play an hour against Villarreal and he'll probably knowing Aaron Maguire and knowing the fact that he played two Didn't know you knew Aaron Maguire? Well, <laughs> knowing, knowing the Harry Maguire personality that he played uh, two yeah, months yeah. with a hip injury go. he'll probably he'll probably say yeah. give it a go. Um, I don't know if anyone knows as well Fred's been called up to the Brazil squad for the Euros for the games against Ecuador and Paraguay went right over your head that didn't it? <laughs> I just, sorry Sorry, yeah, I get it. He's not European. He's Brazilian, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, Carl, make sure you're checking Carl out on The Athletic. Make sure you're checking out the book as well. It's going to come out just after, like I said, after the Europa League final. It's not just about football, but I'm sure football 40% fans. off new subs. Manchester United, com slash Man United pod. Listen to Talk of Devils. Weekly podcast. That's for you, Laurie and Andy, Andy Mitten. That was all fucking good, good lineup. It's decent, isn't it? Hey. Yeah, <laughs> to check that out, you know where to find me and him as well. Are you here on Sunday? Uh, Sunday? Well, no, no Sunday. nothing's happening Sunday. Ignore me, I'm an idiot. Are you here next Tuesday actually for Fulham? Might be. Right, okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll find out. Um, yeah, so we'll be back for. Oh, actually, you've got transfer review tomorrow, haven't we? With you? Yeah, yeah. We got Paddock playing our first ever quarter final. Go on, Ooh. do your Paddock plug. 
playing a team that won eight 0 last week and uh, didn't lose a fucking point in the league. So uh, oh, this might be the end of the road for us. Never say never. Let's hope Cam's missus can make it because he plays like a fucking demon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know there was a, a white diabetic version of Kante, but there we go. <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> that's been that's been Stephen Housen. This has been Housen's Brew. Make sure you like, share and subscribe. Thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.